What's going on, everyone? Liv here. I am super excited to share with you that for the first episode of our second season, we have a little cross-continental chatting going on. Uh, Our guest this week is Rudy from Rainbow History Class. Now, Rainbow History Class is a TikTok that explores the queer history that we usually don't learn in school. Get yourself your TikTok app open right now and go check out their page. Rudy was so much fun to chat with, such an informative and interesting perspective on the queer experience. And we got to some really cool heart space as well, talking about some of the songs that they chose to put on their playlist. Stay tuned. It's coming up right now. Welcome to My Gay Playlist and Stories from Outside the Closet. This is a podcast about coming out and the music that inspires our journeys. To me, coming out is an act of honesty. It's something that we do every day when we decide to live our lives as authentically as possible. Where are my dreamers at? Where are my freaks and geeks and weirdos and losers and nerds? If you were ever told you don't have a place here, I'm saying this table is set for you. So take a seat and tell me about it. And we'll start with this. What are your stories and what are your songs? If you want to follow along and listen to each guest's particular gay playlist as you stream our episodes, head over to mygayplaylist.com. There you'll find each episode's corresponding song list. Until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. It's so wild because it's the morning there. It looks like so bright and morning light. And it's getting dark here. Yeah. What's the time where you are? Time zones are weird. 7 yeah. 09 p.m. That's <laughs> strange. And it's That's Thursday. Very odd to it's, me. it's Friday there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's Friday, uh, 10 09 a.m. Weird. In Melbourne. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. So you're in Melbourne. Yes. I am. Definitely in Melbourne. Everywhere you look, you just get hit by the whole, oh, yeah, this is Melbourne. Um, <laughs> I love it. So I've, I've actually never been to Australia before. I've been close in comparison to the States. I've been to China. I've been to Taiwan. I've never been to Australia and I'd really love to go. I've met a lot of musicians and people in my travels from Australia and specifically from Melbourne. Let's talk about, let's talk about you and the work that you do in your playlist mm-hmm. because I was super excited that you were up for being on the show. I Mm -hmm. came across Rainbow History Class's TikTok page because my wife is an avid TikToker. Uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. She loves loves going on there, finding awesome videos, and spends a good amount of time looking through stuff and came across your guys' page and Mm -hmm. was like, these people are great. We should talk about having them on the show. Like, this is some really awesome content. So... Uh, we reached out and you guys were up for it. And mm-hmm. I started really digging into some of the videos that you guys have posted. And I mean, I just love it. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I've been totally in love with the mission that you guys have. Rainbow History Class, as you say, you're dedicated to queer and trans history that you don't hear about in school. Essentially, mm-hmm. that's kind of like your mission, right? So I'm yeah. curious, how did it come to be? Are you guys just a TikTok page like a group of creators that are posting these videos is there something larger going on uh that you're working toward outside of just the tiktok videos 
Mm-hmm. When, when did this all sort of come to be? What was the inspiration? You know, all mm. of the things I want to know about it. Mm. Well, I mean, there's a few perspectives going on um, at the same time, just purely because like we are a team that came together. So I was brought in after the, I guess the, the idea had been born. It just started with the pure and simple fact of like, this is stuff that, you know, particularly in Australia, we don't get um, necessarily taught in our general run of the curriculum. And it's stuff that is, it's really interesting and, you know, exciting and entertaining. You know, it's not, we don't spend a lot of time looking at say one thing for like five episodes and, you know, really going in depth. It's, it's, it's bite-sized and it's, fun and you know it's under 60 seconds it's TikTok you know yeah so that that's been a real kind of blessing for us having TikTok as our platform because it's nice to be able to learn something in such a short amount of time you use the word mission so let me run with that so our mission is just to get more information out there it's to share knowledge I mean we're not teachers no one's a, a qualified teacher right we would love to do other things and we're thinking about doing other things all the time um and it's it's a changing landscape day to day but we would love to take rainbow history class as far as our growing, you know, community wants it to go and, and see how far we can really, we can really take it just for the pure sake that representation and knowledge is always going to be extremely important with, with that. It's just, it's just incredible. The, the response that we've gotten so far, I'm like blown away every time I go back and check how things are going. It's, it's insane to me. Yeah. What you guys are doing what you said about, you know, educating and building an awareness. I think that's exactly it, right? Like that's, that is so important, especially within our community, because the the LGBTQ community at large, I would say globally uh, at this point, because there isn't a lot, there is a lot of unknowns, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of things that we should know, but we don't. And what I find the most interesting is the sort of rewriting the versions of the stories and things I've been told growing up. I grew up thinking that gay pride was just a parade because people wanted to show off how awesome it was to be gay. You know what I mean? So it's just like, even something as simple, it seems simple, like basic as that. What is pride? What is gay pride? Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure there's versions of that in Australia as well. Yeah, absolutely obviously like the American mindset of it being sort of the center of all things <laughs> kind of just pervaded into that comment a little bit. I realize now the hindsight of that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. it, it's fascinating to me and also, uh, a bit disorienting, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. And that's why I think the, the kind of way that we present our stories is, it's to get people curious. It's to get people asking questions and it's to get people in the mindset of like, Oh, I'd like to look that up more or, Oh, that's something that I can talk to this person about or that person about, or I, we love it when people ask us, can you do this? Can you do that? Because it's, it's, it's just fantastic that people are absolutely open to, to asking questions and to wanting to know more about things or the fact that like we can make a really simple um, video, say for example, on the color lavender um, and it's, it's sort of um, what it represents and what it sort of stood for in the past and stuff like that. And just 
a, you know, a video about a color can spark so much conversation. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's one of the best parts of it. Definitely. Definitely. I love that. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've put this off a little bit, but we're going to get into it now. So this yeah. is, <laughs> this, this is my gay playlist and mm-hmm. stories from outside the closet. I felt giddy getting your playlist because I, I felt like it was equal parts, powerful, joyful, and there was a feeling of like the fire of the like rage and sort of steadfastness that I think mm. we in the LGBTQ community often feel. I feel at least to like want to advance and want to be seen and the visibility that I want to strive for. I guess normalization, like I get, I get fired up about that. Like I want it to be normalized mm. that my pronouns are they, them. I don't want to have to have a conversation about it at mm. all. I just want it to be a baseline understanding. Yeah. I felt that from these songs we have, it starts off with Hayloft, Mother, Mother. There's some Phoebe Bridgers on there. George Michael, Freedom. Like we're going to spend a little time talking about that song because I- Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I love that. It's so good. There's, there's a bunch of great stuff. There's uh, Against Me. And then there's a handful, like a few Australian queer artists that I had actually never listened to before. So I'd love to touch on those as well. Usually I skip around a little bit on some of these yeah. playlists. Uh, so let's, let's, cause I know we're going to spend some time on it. Let's get mm. into George Michael freedom. Yes. Rest in peace, <laughs> George Michael, such a loss. I love this song and I couldn't help but wonder. Because freedom, the idea of freedom is is insanely important to me. Uh, mm. I've put out uh, music that revolved around it. I spent uh, many years kind of thinking about what that means to me, what freedom mm. is. I was curious. I want to know what you think about that. Like, what is freedom to you specifically within the within the parameters of this song, but also beyond that, like in life as a as a construct or idea, but also mm. as a, a birthright. I mean, I believe it's mm. a birthright, mm. but also it's so complicated because mm. in a lot of ways, many people can't be free and the meaning becomes relative a lot of times, but yeah. it's not, it's also universal. So where, where do you sit in all that? I think my idea of freedom has been challenged over the last couple of years. I am, um, Growing up, I did a lot of, I, I studied a lot of philosophy and I I held really tightly to, um, and excuse my pronunciation, um, Jean-Paul Sartre's idea of existentialism mm-hmm. and, and how everyone is innately, like everyone has innate, like the innate ability to make choices and therefore everyone is free because you have the choice and when you have choice, you are therefore free sort of thing. And I really believe that until I started learning about the atrocities that were happening obviously in the world and I started experiencing some some personal situations myself too. And so when that happened, I really had a huge reevaluation of what freedom meant to me because I realized that you're right, like people don't necessarily have the same choices that they like should have purely because they're human beings and we all deserve like freedom and we all deserve to, you know, have those basic core things um, like respect and whatnot. So the song Freedom to me, when I listened to it growing up, because my mother is a huge George Michael fan. I love that. Yeah. I love that. 
yeah he's 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 passing almost like disrupted our christmas it was very like traumatic that morning um we found out he'd passed away the the part of the song that really stands out to me is is that the the rhythm with the some kind of like drums i don't know mm-hmm. what drums they're using but just it's so it's very sharp it's very clean it's very repetitive um and it creates a really nice rhythm that i think like just in invokes this this sense of like uh, like it's just i mean it's making me sit up straight in my chair now yeah, like it's yeah. it's very um contagious and i think that when I listen to that song, I do feel a sense of freedom. I listened to it a lot. Like it was in my um, playlist. I got top surgery in um, Victoria in the in the absolute height of our pandemic last year. And all of my support systems had been like stripped away from me. And I was like, what can I do? I can make a playlist. Um, yeah. And so this song was something that I just would listen to like in the shower every morning when I got up, like every single moment I could until I had surgery because the line like um, – uh, sometimes the clothes do not make the man was just, it was just ringing in my head the whole time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's one of those tracks that people, people really put their own meaning into it, which is just something that I think is so cool. Like that's the only way I can explain it. It's just so cool. Yeah. Um, when a song can talk about such a broad, extensive, uh, topic and it just anything goes with it you know people can really take it in I love that I love that you said that because so much of I've had so many conversations just like this on this show uh Mm. I mean in my life talking about music and songs I love the idea that a song can do that that Mm. uh for you going through I'm just going to venture to say one of the bigger mom- biggest moments of your uh, life up until this point, a very yeah. affirming decision and uh, opportunity that you had to get top surgery that a song a- as, as joyous as I could imagine that experience was for you also mm. challenging because it's such mm. a big change. I-, I can't even begin to, I can't even begin to, know what what that must have felt like Mm. and Mm. i can relate to that feeling of needing something to pull you through um yeah and having a song speak to the exact thing that you needed and being Mm. able to to get you through it i mean Mm. music is such a gift in that way i i Mm. agree a hundred and 78 percent yeah yeah and like I think for for I mean I obviously cannot speak on George's behalf but um (laughs) oh you can go ahead (laughs) so George personally told me um (laughs) (laughs) no I mean like that whole experience for him having to fight this this label because they wanted him to be a particular way and he and I don't know whether this was happening before or after he came up publicly but for him regardless it was a huge moment it was a huge moment for the music industry it was a huge moment for him personally it was a huge moment or was or would have was turning into a huge moment for um the the queer community at the time and I'm sure for, for him he experienced the same thing like this song 
was dragging him through it. Like it, it was one of those things, I think for him, it was a, it was a statement. It wasn't just a statement for the world. I think, I mean, you play music, I play music, you know, the songs you make and the songs you play, they're in here, they're in your, they're inside, like, you mm -hmm. know, so for him, it would have, it would have been huge. Yeah. Uh, I, so I'm curious, I, you spoke just a little bit about, uh, about growing up, about your mom loving George Michael. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know much about you at all, but I'd love to hear a little bit about what you do when you're not making TikToks. I mean, are, <laughs> uh, like wh who is Rudy a little bit? I'd love to get into that. Like, do you, um, are you, what, like, yeah. How do you spend your days and, and how, what was growing up like uh, and being coming out and, and all of those things it was, what was that? I mean, that's a, I'm asking a lot, but you can yeah. condense it if, <laughs> if you so please just a little bit of back background information, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think the main thing to take away, and I think people don't, I don't often speak about this, but like getting into making TikToks and getting into being someone that makes things for a living now, which I'm eternally, eternally grateful and thankful for, um, is that I have been doing like passion projects and things my whole life. Um, like I was the kid that, you know, my dad left us the, the camcorder to play around with and I would have my friends come over for my birthdays and I would like write them. I would write a script to like a TV show and then yes. in the morning we'd like, we'd rehearse and like workshop it the night before and get the angles and stuff. Right. And oh I'm telling gosh. you, I was like 10 years old. I like, love that. Yeah. I love so, that. Yes. You know, being creative. I mean, I'm a writer by degree. Um, you know, but the, the thing is I have such a, like a juxtaposed, like, uh, existence, I think, cause like people see, I think people see the creative side of me, but like, I've been a badminton coach for like almost 10 years and badminton? that's, yeah. And that's been my job. It's like a, a four generation sort of situation. Really? Yeah. In my family, like sport is sport and, and getting out and moving is, is, is a huge part of my life as well. And, and people like just don't know that. Cause I think that it's, it's my passion, but like to people that don't understand, it's a hard conversation topic or like people that don't, you know, aren't into it. It's not the same type of conversation. So, you know, I just end up talking about art stuff or whatever instead. But yeah, I mean, growing up was, was, I feel very privileged in my experience growing, growing up as a, as a queer person. Um, you know, it's, I, I came out as, uh, I think I came out as bisexual first. I can't remember. At, I, I was, a uh, I was 12. I was 12, 12 and a bit. That's I came awesome. Out. My hat's off yeah. to you. I was 19 <laughs> before I even began to tell myself that I was, I was gay. That's wow. Rad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have like a hugely different experience. I think, um, you know, I came out, what year was it? It was 2010. The start of 2010, I came out. Um, I was, yeah, 12 or something. And um, and that was fine. Like, it was just absolutely, like, pretty pretty much a non-issue at all. I mean, there was ob the obvious questions, like, my God, you're so young. But I think it revolved more about my age rather than the actual, like, content. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. And then I I didn't – see, this is the thing. I came out really young as, as I guess, just queer because that's what I identify as now. Um but I didn't come out as trans until I was 22. Mm. 
Um, and because there was a lot of, I, I, I did try and sort of like come to terms with it and tell like sort of my close friends um, when I was 14 or fi- maybe just coming up 15. So like my best friend who's trans and who was coming out at the time as well, um, you know, he used they, them pronouns for me right up until I changed to he, him like last year or the year before. Um, but I didn't come out to my family, my work or anything till I was 22, um, you know, which was only, or 21, so which is only like three or four years ago now. Um, so, and, and, but then again, it was, it, it was the same thing. Like my family was totally cool with it. Like it was just more questions. Like, I don't really understand. Like, what do you mean? I don't get it. Rather than like, you're an abomination, like, you right. know, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so education was the only thing that was sort of required and in little pockets of my experience. It wasn't, I didn't, I was never, I never had any like truly negative experiences, which I am incredibly grateful for. And it's, it's a huge privilege. Totally. I, I can relate. I, I never really had any, I never had any overt um, negative feedback. Uh, mm. from people when I came. I didn't even have to tell my parents I was gay. I just came home from college and they literally the same night, like, or one day my dad came home from work and he was like, Hey, Liv, are you a lesbian? I was like, yeah, dad, we, <laughs> let's, we should have a chat about this. Let me meet you, meet you upstairs and we can chat. And then we did, we had a great conversation. Yeah. And then he, he probably told my mom that night because the next day we were driving to the mall and she was like, so Olivia, are you gay? I was like, yeah, I am. And that yeah. was it, you know, uh, I, I realized though, that, that, that's not how it goes for a lot of people. So yeah, I, I mm. can, I can relate to that mm. though. I did feel like, and I don't know if this was the, your, if this, if you had the same experience, two different people, literally from two different sides of the world, but I did maybe internalize a lot of what I thought I would come up against. And had to work through that on my own because mm. I think I stayed in the closet for so long that I thought it would be a real challenge. And I thought, and it was challenging, but it it wasn't, I didn't have to like, I don't know, defend my physical body to anyone. Mm. I didn't mm. have to, I wasn't scared for my life. You know, it, it was mm. relatively easy. And I think I internalized a lot of what I thought I would come up against because it didn't actually uh, present itself to me in that way. So I made it a lot more difficult just to be okay with the fact that I knew I was gay and I was out. Does that make sense? Mm. No, it does. And I, I do, I do think that that sort of same sentiment has compounded um, in my psyche a bit too. And I feel like I've sort of, I've sort of given myself a double-edged sword because um I realized that, right, and I, I, I did work through it and I sort of was like, okay, well, we don't need to think that way anymore. It's, you know, it's probably not going to happen. Like everyone important in your life and everyone that you kind of will meet that may be important, they're going to be on the same page. If not, it won't take that, you know, that much effort to sort of get them on the same page. And then because I thought that, I let my guard down to experiences that I then like subsequently had mm-hmm. with like strangers or experiences at, um, at work, for example. Um, and that's when I caught a sort of caught myself really being like hurt 
Because I mean, I don't know about you, but like, did you get that way so that you would stop yourself from being so hurt? Like, did you run through these hypotheses to stop yourself being in a vulnerable position? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. It was like, if I went through it all in my head, uh, I would be ready for it when it happened. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so then when it did happen, I was not ready for it. Like, yes. Uh, and I had I no, and yeah. Right. And like, I never really know. thought of it that way, but that was a simple way of really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have a, I work uh, in a retail position sometimes and, um, and this, I had this experience where this mother was like, literally just outright said, you're not a boy. And I was like in a mess shirt with like my, my like chest out And I was speaking in, I mean, my like deepest voice. I was trying really hard to be assumed male in that instance, um, just for the sake of like, that's sort of like how I wanted to be viewed that day. And when she said that to me, I was like, my brain just sort like short circuited. And I was like, genuinely had no idea how to handle the situation. And it was very like uncomfortable. And I remember thinking after that, Rudy, like, you spent all of that time preparing yourself and then you got to that point and, and I felt like I'd failed, mm-hmm. um, which was super interesting. Um, but I guess like, you just gotta, you gotta live, you've got to learn, you've got to look after yourself and just remember that like, you know, when you do have instances where you feel like you could have handled it better or stood up for yourself or advocated for yourself, you did the best that you were actually capable of at the time, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. even if it was just sort of standing there and, and, letting that person speak at you. Right. That's a very compassionate way to, to look on, to, to think about it and to approach that, you know, it's the loving Mm. kindness that you need. It it for sure is. I think for me, a, a gentle approach is often the best. I always think that I need to be like, energetic and like don't worry about it and like but that's (laughs) for me a bit toxic and it's a bit like just a wrong way to sort of go about it um for myself so yeah it is deflating it is deflating. yeah totally moving moving forward so we had (laughs) we had freedom by george michael let's talk about let's talk about la tigre i've I love La Tigre. I don't like, I'm not like a super avid fan, but I love that they were on your playlist. Talk to me about this song. Why, why did you put it on? La Tigre actually, I looked them up cause I knew a little, you know, bits and pieces of their, their background. But um, I think the main, the main kind of person, I don't know whether they're at the front of the band, um, but the sort of the most known person in the band um, actually came from Bikini Kills and. Yeah. Right. Um, love it. Yeah. Right. And so mm-hmm they felt like they didn't want to be angry anymore in their, their musical expression. And so when they came to La Tigre, they wanted to sort of become a little bit more dance orientated and sort of like energetic rather than being angry in the way that they were kind of going about their, their um, themes and issues that they were bringing up in their songs. And so that sort of birthed, um, Decepticon and, and a range of other tracks. And so it was really fundamental, I guess, this band and its members were really fundamental in that, in that feminist movement, in the, uh, the kind of DIY punk scene almost. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really interesting as well that, again, TikTok, a place where communities are being built all the time and there's a lot of discourse c- continually going on there, I guess, under the surface of like the quickfire, like, comedy videos and whatnot it's it's interesting that they've come back up and they've popped back up but it's mm-hmm. it's no surprise really is it right. so no it's not you know and i mean on top of all that it's just a, it's a great 
It's a great train, like tune to me. So <laughs> it is. I love the energy of it. Uh, I love the energy of it. So I'm curious in, in making these videos, I learned something really cool about synthesizers and how yeah. like they're historically pretty queer from, from your TikTok. Um, yeah. things, things like that. What, what is some, I would love to know through the research that you guys do and making your videos, what's mm -hmm. something that you've learned about that filled you up with some joy and some wonder just learning about it through making the videos we exist as you know you know lgbtqi plus people exist at every single turn of history we are there we're in it we've always been in it um absolutely dating back to like you know pre-colonial times ancient history times it, it's we are everywhere in music in pop culture in 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 hollywood in engineering in anything that you can think of science we're there and so every time we you know Hannah sends me you know a new a new batch of information or scripts or whatever I'm just like of course like mm -hmm. and every time I'm just I just sit back and I just think this is incredible you know um that we're there but we're sort of just under the surface in a lot of cases mm -hmm. Uh, and to me, there's something, it, it's a kind of a dual, uh, I have a dual feeling about that because on one hand I, I get frustrated because I wish that we didn't have to be under the surface and I wish that we didn't, we, we could, we could have been at the forefront, just like everyone else with just as much respect and just as much admiration in the, you know, different points of history. But, but there's something almost a little bit magical in some instances, particularly when it comes to art and music and stuff like that, when, um, that the person isn't really known at the time for being queer or identifying um, as being gender diverse or whatever. And then you get to learn about it in retrospect. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for me, when I learn about things in retrospect like that, although my heart aches and it breaks for the fact that it could have been different, I feel a real sense of respect that I didn't have before I looked into it. And I've, right. I've, I, I, I grow a little stronger, I think. And I, and I, fortify that sense in, inside myself that the people that came before me were just as important as I am today and is just as are in, and are as just as important as the people that will come after me. And it's yeah. that, it's that, that really fills me up. It, it really makes me feel part of something that runs so deeply and so intrinsically with every single part of history. Yeah, I, I agree. There's something powerful about putting that it's not even a lens. It's the reality of the knowledge that we've always been here, right? Mm. And now we have platforms and more language for it. That's something that I've always, I talk with about my, my grandmother, for instance, because she makes comments like, there were never this many gay people when I was growing up. And mm. I, I'm just like, but there were grandma, there were, and there were trans people and there were queer people and there were bisexual people and there were gender queer, but there were all, but we didn't have language for it. And mm. to think about how to know that, that those are also part of our story because mm. the, the truth that they existed validates the truth that I exist mm. and those who come after us. I, I think, yeah, what you said is, is exactly right. It, it it's, it's mind blowing. It also, there's honor in that. I don't know yeah, if absolutely. that's like a prideful thing to say, but I honor 
those who came before me because they allowed me to stand right where I am today. If that. Yeah, that's an absolutely, that's a perfect way of putting it. And I wish the word honor came into my head five minutes ago, <laughs> but no, it is. It's We got there together. I wouldn't have got yeah. it if you hadn't said with you. Just yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, I love that way of phrasing it. it it's, it's true. I do. I, it's, it's almost like a moment of reflection sometimes when I read um, what I'll be talking about. And I just, you know, I sit quietly and I really think about it. And sometimes I'll jump on and, and, um, and have a, an extra bit of a deep dive just to, sorry, deep dive, just to really feel the depth of what I'm talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it is, it's, it, it, it does. I feel like it is an honor. And in the same sense, I am honoring, um, those people as well. Um, but you're right. It's, it is mind blowing. It is mind blowing. Um, but it is extremely validating in, in a, in a more selfish sense. Yeah. It's, it's great. I mean, it, it makes me want yeah. I just like, I'm sitting here. I just want to, you know, get my cheesy as hell. I want to give myself a yeah. hug and, and everyone else that <laughs> can't like see that in themselves. Like you're wonderful because you are the way that you are and you're not alone because there's been people that have come before you that they didn't even have language to know that they were, that they were just like you wonderful and perfect mm. in their, mm. in all the ways that, you know, mm. the world at large is trying to say that you're not, I just, yeah. Or like language did exist, but then with like colonization, it got destroyed, mm-hmm. um, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's obviously a different topic um, of conversation, but yeah, it's, it's like at the time, particularly after colonization, it was, um, it was really rough finding the words. In the United States, you say colonization, there's a very specific part of history where I go to for mm. United States history. What did that look like in Australia? It look it, for us when we think of colonization. Obviously, this is me generalizing and, and mostly putting forward my personal experience and um, idea of it. So I could well be one part of a whole story, but it, it, we kind of think of the day that Captain Cook sort of um, came and and first landed. Uh, with his ships in Australia, the first fleet, as I think it's more commonly known. Okay. Um, and so that's sort of where we get back. We we get taken back to, and particularly if you grew up, um, I'm not sure sort of what the general kind of teachings of it is, but it, it doesn't really cover the stories of the first, like the First Nations people. It just mm-hmm. sort of covers the, the side of, of people that came from England. So, yeah, so that's sort of like the frame that um, I certainly learned in school um, but obviously grew to, like, know, uh, you know, more than that. Um, But that's, yeah, what we sort of generally think think of in Australia. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think it's very, my experience is very similar in the United States with all these names, places, faces of, you know, the United States history that goes with it. Mm Mm-mm. I, I would I would be less informed in a big way if my dad wasn't a United States history teacher like that was wow. his, his passion and what he studies so yeah we would come home and you know be studying for tests and he would be like let me give you the real history so anyway oh, that's I, incredible I digress I am grateful for the knowledge that he gave as well uh, in in that regard um mm. okay so let's let's get back to the playlist because there's so many songs <laughs> and, and I know we've been chatting for a bit so I want to cover a few more before before we end uh, are there any yeah. on here that specifically 
uh, are besides George Michael, because we went into that wonder, uh, that speak to you and your life. And they ended up on here because they're, they hold a important place in your heart or. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just physically looking at, um, at, <laughs> at the list now. I mean, look, m- most of them are, you know, personal to me, which is, I think, why I gravitated towards them. The two in particular, I guess you can choose from them that are particularly personal are Moon Song by Phoebe Bridges or Life on Mars by David Bowie. So they're, they're probably the most personal to me. That's a hard pick. We, we, let's go into them both because they're they're so great. Mm. I, mm, can't they are, yeah. I can't choose just one. I can't choose just one there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you want to start? Do you want to start with feelings or do you want to start with like, uh, physical expression? I always <laughs> want to start with feelings. I'm the most feeling oriented person that you'll ever meet. So let's start with the feelings. All right. Um, let me, I'm just going to quickly, I just want to get a feel for moon song again. I actually avoid listening to this song. <laughs> does it bring, I, it, it sends you so far? Yeah, it does. She's on the playlist first and foremost, I think, because um, a lot she's sort of, you know, when when I read interviews, when I listen to, you know, discussion about her, um, she's described as producing like music that really appeals to, I guess, people who identify with um, being sapphic or, um, you know, use that word in their life and, and that sort of thing and, and sort of express that um, that sort of part of them and I can I can understand it's a very soft it's very I feel like her music is is gently apocalyptic moon song for me is probably one of the most heartbreaking songs I've ever listened to and the reason I feel that way is you know I write poetry and I've always written poetry and my poetry is sort of been something that's very personal to me. I, I have not published anything. I rarely post anything um, to do with that online um, because it's something just more so for myself. But when I listened to Moonsong, I feel like it was truly the first time I'd ever heard my poetry out loud, if that mm. makes sense. Yes. And it wasn't, you know, necessarily with like what she was saying, although I did, that really hit me hard. Like the lyrics did hit me hard. It just, it really was like an oral like experience of how I felt and how I feel about a lot of things, particularly about romance and, and human connection. You know, there's a, there's a line actually don't mind my keys tapping. Cause I really do want to get this, these lyrics up. Um, I wonder if it's the line that it hit me like an arrow on my way to work today when I was listening to it. I'm yeah. curious if that's the line you're going to, no, I want to, I want to wait and hear what, what line you're going to read. Cause okay, there was one okay. line in that song. I was like, Oh man, well, she said it. So <laughs> it's been said. I, I really like these two these two lines. Um, so the first one is, so I will wait for the next time you want me like a dog with a bird at your door. And then the 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 kind of closing line is when you when you saw the dead little bird, you started crying, but you know the killer doesn't understand. Um, with the close mm. second of you're holding me like water in your hands. That was yeah. the line. <laughs> that line and the way her voice almost trembles when she sings it. I yes. It, it literally makes me need to like shake the pain out of mm-hmm. my body. Yes. And I feel like, you know, I, I mean, please chime in because I don't often speak about this, this side of myself. Um, and I, I would really like, <laughs> really like some discussion on your end, but um, I 
am highly aware, like I'm a highly aware person of my own existence at all times. And so mm-hmm. I'm very critical of myself, particularly in my like romantic relationships, because I feel like I'm very good at loving. And that is something that like I is a huge part of my life. And so the vulnerability I face in my like intimate relationships is almost paralyzing. And so like the line, you're holding me like water in your hands is just, it's so painful. Like it's so painful, I think, to feel mm-hmm. that deeply sometimes. And Moonsong kind of speaks to to me in kind of a queer sense because I ha- I've only just become sure of my identity. So I spent a lot of like my life being worried that if I was to show my true self or be my true self with the person that I loved so deeply, that it would just crumble, that it would fall apart. And that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be that person because I would lose the best, the best part, like the best part of my life at the time or whatever, you know? Yes. A hundred and a hundred percent. I heard, I, I hear, I not only hear what you said, but I've experienced my own version of that. I think. Yes. Yeah. What you said about the feelings, right. And mm. that the imagery of someone holding you like water in their hands. Right. Mm. Okay. So I, I've listened to Phoebe Bridgers for a while now. I've never heard this song. So when I heard that line today, it just about stopped the car as I was <laughs> yeah. driving it down the road because I was, it, it took my breath away. You held me like water in your hands or whatever the line is. It was like, well, what's that? Cause water falls out of your hands. So you mm. need to hold it very carefully and, mm. and, and with intention, right? Mm. So you can, and why would you hold water in your hands? So, so you can know how lovely it feels to have it against your skin. So you can lift it to your mouth to drink it. But, mm. it, but eventually it's going to fall out of your hands and it won't be mm. there for very long, mm. but your hands will still be wet. Like, mm. this is all the things that went through my head in that mm. two seconds. And I was just like, God damn it. That's poetry in motion right there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it truly is. Um, and I feel like her, her songs are so evocative um, in that, in that way. Cause her, her lyrics are, you know, surface level sim- simple like they're simplistic they're easy to understand I mean like uh, up in the in the second verse it's we hate tears in heaven but it's sad that his baby died like mm-hmm. you know reading that it's like am I reading a text to my friend but then you listen to the music and it's it's a completely different experience yeah and I really find that she's very She's very particular. It, you know, when you when you look at it, when you when you think about just a single line, you're holding me like water in your hand. Oh my gosh! Like, mm-hmm. it does stop you in your tracks. It would it would stop the car. It would. Yeah. And and that's why I think I avoid I avoid listening to her music because it, it puts me in <laughs> such a place that it's scary to be in. You know, it's it is. Um, I mean, sometimes it's good because you need to have that that cathartic experience. But you know, if I'm just trying to have a normal work day, Phoebe's off the list. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. she's not in the playlist. Agreed. <laughs> I won't do that to myself again on the way to work. By the way, but yeah, yeah, I. But songs like that are they're so good. They're so good because they do, like you were saying, being vulnerable and loving as big as you do. It, it's scary because it's so much. Mm. Songs like this one place you so perfectly in that Mm. in that if you if you forget what that feels like or you need to be affirmed that 
yeah, this is where I am today. I'm feeling vulnerable in my, in my loving. I mean, that's the one for it. But also mm. I think that to, to kind of bring it back to like the conversation of like queerness, I think that those experiences and those feeling states, when I discovered them, it was almost like addictive to me because mm. I went so long without letting myself go there letting mm. myself love in the way that I wanted to because I was scared or whatever mm. was in the closet I just wasn't ready and I'm sure that all different people of all different identities experience that exact same thing and mm. I think that as a queer person it's a bit it's a bit more magnified to a certain extent because um it's also forbidden for mm. a long time until mm. we allow ourselves to feel it does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It, it does. It, it does. It makes me think of like, you know, the relationship that I'm sort of in now. Um, I remember I was like just sort of getting my dose right for my HRT. I hadn't had top surgery yet. I looked quite different actually in my own eyes, you know, three, two, two and a half years ago uh, to how I look today. And I remember having like a month maybe two months where I was like, are you sure? I'm not going to look at this. Like, this isn't like, I'm not myself yet. Like, you know, um, are you mm -hmm. sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And, and my, my boyfriend Luke was like, yes, it's fine. I will love you today and I will love you tomorrow. And I will love you until I stop loving you. And it's not going to be like, because of this, you know, like, mm. and, and that has stood so true. And my openness, which I, had not been like that before and his understanding and his patience really really helped set the tone for our relationship and so I think getting myself to a point where I did feel like I could uh air my concerns and vulnerabilities like that um was a incredible transformation for me as, as a queer person that has always had challenges and, and struggles being okay with who I am when we allow ourselves to be soft mm. because i think vulnerability is like it is sort of a double-edged sword because vulnerability we think it's you you're soft you're allowing yourself to be soft but there's an incredible amount of strength that it takes to be that open and when you allow yourself to be so and it is received in with love and mm. then you see how much it gives back to you and mm. to the person that you're like, you're essentially standing naked in front of saying like, this is who I am. This is how I'm feeling so deeply about this thing. And it scares me. There's resilience in that. I think that that it, it raises the, it doesn't build an armor around us to keep us out of things, but it, it shows us what we're capable of. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. No, it does. And that's how I felt. I felt more capable after I'd shown myself that I was capable of opening up to a person. And then that person and then it not backfiring because I feel like, you know, we've all been in situations where we've said something that's made us feel vulnerable and that person has ran in the wrong direction with it. Um, mm. So to to have a an experience where the outcome was, you know, extraordinarily positive, that really, it, it really helped build that resilience, you know, and and helped me grow um, where I, where I needed to grow. So 100%, it, it is double, I would agree with that expression of being a double-edged sword. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Ooh, I love this stuff. See, feelings are good. <laughs> feelings are good to start with. Yeah, we go we go to some good places with that, definitely. Yeah. 
Um, okay, cool. So we have time for one more song. I know we've, we've had, we've had a bit of time here. So let's talk about life on Mars. And then, um, I just have one more question for you after that. Uh, life on Mars, David Bowie. I think it's the third or fourth song on your, on the playlist. Where do I start? Uh, Look, David Bowie. Look, I like David Bowie's music. Okay. And I do enjoy what, what he made as a musician. Why I was personally drawn to David Bowie and why I think that there a lot of people get drawn to David Bowie without listening to his music is the way he expresses himself and not just that, the way he's transformed himself mm. over his life and how to the public eye it was so effortless and it was so deliberate and it was so uh, without fear and it was without, without, without any consideration for those that were looking at him. And how I was drawn to that because that was something that I wanted to embody within myself. Mm-hmm. And I think what other people sometimes want to embody as well. And so as a young teen, I remember picking up his, in a, a biography that had been written about him, obviously, while he was still alive in, in the school library, just because I was looking for something to read and, and all the sports biographies were doing my head in. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I picked I picked it up and I read it. And while you know, I don't remember it being a good or a bad book. I do remember that after that that time reading it, I just had David Bowie plastered everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, um, yeah. And, you know, I didn't, I never learned a lot about his personal life. I never learned, you know, I didn't do any more deep dives after that, that one book I read. Um, but his style and his fashion and his, his, the way he moved, it was kind of really awe-inspiring. Mm-hmm. And, Life on Mars for me is a great song actually because it it sort of it draws parallels as a there's a new artist young blood and while he has not personally come out and said hey I, I identify this that the other um he will just wear dresses for the sake of him wanting to wear a dress he has a like I think they call the Black Hearts club community something like that mm-hmm. um where is this an australian a, artist or am i just i'm just out of the loop on young blood no he's, he's, a, he's from the uk he's from doncaster in the uk cool okay yeah and you know he's got a lot of um fans that are from our community and he wrote a song by the name of which i don't know i will find now um and it was drawing parallels to David Bowie's Life on Mars, and it was a song about this young trans girl coming to to Youngblood's show and him meeting her and thinking and hearing her story and thinking, oh, my God. And his song um, references, like, is there any life on Mars and sort of talks about these ideas of being queer and being trans. And it was um, a kind of a, almost like a throwback or a nod to David Bowie and, and how David Bowie expressed himself. And... Then, you know, Youngblood went on to perform David uh, Life on Mars by David Bowie at, a, at an awards show or whatever. And so, again, like 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 with, you know, uh, Decepticon, like with Hayloft, like a lot of these songs are, are coming back and they're coming back into discussion. And I think David Bowie's done that in a lot of ways as well, you know, with his style um, and with the, the fearlessness that came with it. I mean, I think he is definitive of fearlessness. We'll never know maybe what was inside his head uh, mm. behind behind the image that he presented. Uh, but there, just the the ease that he brought to mm. 
the identities that he portrayed publicly was it was infectious. It was um, incredible to see because I think what you said about he wasn't doing it for anyone else. Like it, it wasn't to impress anyone. It was because it felt good to him. It be, it's because how he wanted to be expressing himself. Yeah. That is exactly it. If only we could all be able to do that all the time. I think yeah, world would be a little bit of a better place. Yeah. And I think like, you know, when you look at his, his style and stuff, like it's, it's easy to go, well, I don't want to look like that. I think what he's wearing is ugly. When I look at it though, I can obviously agree with that. I mean, some outfits I just don't personally like, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's the attitude and it's the confidence that, right, stood, exactly. that stands before the expression. And I think that that's really why people, you know, in the LGBTQI plus community are drawn, are drawn to figures like David Bowie and and why they sort of stay relevant or come back into re- relevance over certain periods of time because, you know, yes, it's about what they look like. Yes, it's about, you know, what they spoke about, but it's how they did it and it's what feeling they gave people. Totally. Yeah, without a doubt. I love that. It's all about the feelings. It's all about mm. the feelings. Mm. It, the is. it is. It is. It is. <laughs> All right. So Rudy, I end every episode the same way. And I'm going to ask you the same question. I I ask all my guests, if you could tell your younger self something to make it a little easier or to uh, knowing what you know now, if you could give yourself a bit of wisdom that the life that you've lived up until this point has, has allowed you to have, Mm. what would it be? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Wow. I would tell my younger self that what you're feeling, how you're feeling it and what's happening because you are feeling it is okay and there's nothing wrong with you. You need to take your time and open yourself up more to yourself and try to be okay with feeling different without separating yourself from the people in your life. Mm. That's what I would tell myself. Yeah. I'm glad you told me that just now. That's some damn good advice. Yeah. I, it's, it's something that I feel like still comes up, but um, I think emotions are a lot to process when you're younger, aren't they? Cause you don't, you don't have any experiences to level them out with. Oh yeah. Just the idea of slowing down, mm. S- like slow down and, and let it just let it all be true. Yeah, and just uh, let it happen without feeling like you've got to intervene uh, mm. for the sake of retaining control that you might not even necessarily have. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Beautiful. <laughs> thank you so much. No, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay, I'm just throwing this out there. I think I might be Rudy's new biggest fan. There, I said it. Also, I'm a huge fan of Rainbow History Class, and if y'all haven't checked out their TikTok by now, I highly suggest doing so. Thank you so much to the entire team at Rainbow History Class and Rudy for your time and help putting this episode together. We were so excited to kick off our second season with you all as a guest. Playing you out for this week's episode is my great friend, Lindsay Mackin, her band, Annabelle Chairlegs. They're based out of Austin. This song is Candy Apple Red.
This show was created by yours truly, Liv Lombardi, that's me, and Courtney Ortel, and co-produced by Virago Artist Management with additional support from Hannah Varnum. Music by yours truly once again, Liv Lombardi. As always, thank you for your ears and your hearts. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, write a review, and share with your friends. Until then, be kind to yourself and gentle. I hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next time.